sometimes even the people close to you get stuff wrong. You got to, I guess, try to guide them toward, you know, maybe a greater understanding or, you know what I'm saying, really taking their perspective, you know, at the same time, for real. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. So today I have Sonny Ture, and you may know Sonny Ture from the Push Soul Hip Hop Collective, and he collabs with Cleva and Kivon Red. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Sonny, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, thank you for the welcome. And uh, just a note on the on the collabs. Me and Cleva haven't collabed actually in a while, uh-huh. but uh, we do have that project, Taxi to the Sun which is like, you know, a classic album that probably came out five or six years ago. And that's why that's why I put Clever on there as far as like the collabs that I, I've taken part in. But yeah, Push Show Collective, that's who I collab with. And Kevon Red, he's actually part of Push Show Collective. But me and him have okay. some, some uh, like uh, projects as duos, like just me and him in the past before Push Show formed. And we got another one coming out sometime this year called Skate. That's dropping later this year, though, where it's just me and Kevon. So, yeah. is, is that an album or a single? It's going to be an album. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And we okay. recorded about, what, seven, eight songs of that one weekend about a year ago. So we've been sitting on that for about a year, been recorded for about a year, but we just ain't put it out yet. We still, you know, I guess brainstorming some finishing touches. Today, we're going to be talking about your song, Vacation, mm-hmm. off of the album, Hotline. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, let's listen to the song. When you have things What she told me right before our foes I left a gas bank Now she wanting more Dick ain't free and yes I'm taxing Know you worth but still prove it why you roam the earth Will she do it for Curtis is what I'm asking Is this really passion of Christ or just the passing She learned every line that I crossed, I wasn't masking I took every loss like a boss, but what's the cost? How she gon' treat me like villain, I wasn't laughing Where a young nigga feel peace just when he rapping And when it come to rocking the mic, she wasn't lacking Hold up, but that's too much information Ahead of myself, I got my will out Another nigga tried to engage My take the kill route My focus mind like a grenade My take the pin out yeah. 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 And 
write something with words that she preferred A spark with every touch, we tipping the temperature She asked me how I'm flipping words, I guess it just occurs I'm capping just the master, this rapping spent many years I find it funny how niggas assume it Just because they went out walking, they down with the movement Sonny, don't do too much talking, let's I keep recording Cause that's how I keep my mind up, the lesser importance Thinking about them thighs that I'm traveling home to Once it's torn, it's done She text me, babe, I warned you I told her, fret not, let's roll another L 30 nights to go, my niggas hoping I fail What? But that's too much information Leave the phones at home, we on vacation Can't share too much information Leave the phones at home, we on vacation But that's too much information So when it's on, it's on, that's what I'm thinking too much information She left her phone at home like this vacation Welcome back mm-hmm. So, Sonny, my first and favorite question to always ask mm-hmm. is What came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? Uh, it was definitely the music. I got a pack of beats from Solomon. Like we, that's how we was working on that project. He would just email me beats. It was for sure the the music that came first that inspired the lyrics. Maybe there might have been some thought process behind like the story or the piece of the story I was trying to tell with that track. But nah, none of, none of the lyrics came before the music. So let's just describe kind of your introduction to this music so you had the packet of beats did this just jump out at you and you started hearing like a a line in there or did you i'm I'm always curious about like where is that spark where is that thing that comes out at at one point that that you just i don't know you're smiling so i'm guessing (laughs) there's something i i think of course is is hearing the beat and just you know, getting lost in it a little bit but i i guess getting lost to where you know the words just start coming and, you know, you find that first line that kind of sets the table, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, when I hear a dope beat and I, that I'm trying to write to, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I always tell the homies that, you know, doing music, it's about trying to catch lightning in a bottle, you know what I'm saying? I think the first words just came to me. I knew this bad thing, feeding for that ass, don't forget it when you have things. And then, you know, that works. Like for me, it's, it's the sonics almost that come first, almost. You know what I'm saying? So that worked sonically. So I was like, okay, how can I make a song around those lyrics that sound dope sonically? You know, and that's kind of the, you know, the tale or the the piece of the story of the whole album that, you know, I kind of dipped into. I think it's interesting that the first line of the first verse is your starting point. Because mm-hmm. I know sometimes people are like, oh, I get the hook. And then kind of come back to another part sometimes it is the hook sometimes sometimes when i'm writing it it's the hook that comes first you know what i'm saying it, it's all about you know what sparks off yeah around. so yeah i look through these lyrics and and i listen to the song and y- you mentioned you know that set off the tone of the or the idea of the story behind it and and you'd think that maybe that this song would stay on on that topic but it does kind of turn into more of like your own reflection and how you fit within. I, I mean, it, this is me, of course, interpreting your words. So please, please correct me if I'm wrong, For but sure. how people interpret and interact with you and like your own worth as a person and then 
using your own words as a, as a way to prove your worth. So I don't know if, if I'm getting the, getting the point, but um, was there, was there like a, a general idea in this song? I think the general idea is, yeah, the, I mean, to touch on themes of love and relationship, because that's actually the song. Bef- this is the second song on the project. And the first song kind of leads with some of the, some of the same themes of exploring self, you know what I'm saying? But also kind of playing with themes of love and relationships. And that kind of plays into the overall like story of the album. Hotline is an album, like on the abstract sense about a man that's on the run for uh, killing Uncle Sam, you know what I'm saying? Like any good story has a love story within it, you know what I'm saying? And that's kind of where it starts off. The main character, me in the story, is reflecting on love and, you know, his love interest while also, you know, dealing with his own stuff. I, I think the whole album got songs that's kind of hard to nail down a, like one theme or one subject. I have this thing where I will call something a a hook when it's not really the hook, but to me, it sounds like the, but that's too much information is kind of the hook, okay? Mm-hmm. It's always interesting when, to me, a song seems like it's going one direction with, with the first verse, but then the hook kind of brings it back, like... Is there any way that you could, I kind of feel like that's the, can we just kind of put this, uh, everything aside and just go on vacation, right? So, mm-hmm. Or at least take a break from those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then I think that that set that tone for for the second verse where it's just like, she told me chill out, you know, not to uh, say something too early, but there's this really cool play that you have in there at the end of that. My focused mind, like, uh, like Grenade, uh, I might take the, pen out mm-hmm. and and the way that you say it you i if you were just listening you're not sure if you're saying the pin out or the pen out mm-hmm. and there's just that i don't know i think it's a really cool play between like you know the pen is mightier than the sword kind of concept versus actually you know arming a grenade right yeah, so for sure um i don't know was that something that like I'm I'm kind of curious what what brought those lyrics around that's a great question you know that's a one of the Doper double entendres on this album. You know what I'm saying? My focus mind like a grenade, my take the pin out. Um, and then there's like a pause, you know what I'm saying? Like you're waiting for it to tick and boom. You you get close to a woman, you know what I'm saying, at least from my stance, you know what I'm saying, in a different way than you you will your homies, you know what I'm saying? So they're gonna see different sides of you or on a deeper level because they're spending so much time with you or talking with you on a daily basis where you and your homies might not actually get that. So I think that line was just really commentary, you know what I'm saying? Like what definitely, you know what I'm saying? I guess the love interest might pick up on like my focus mind, like a great name, I take the pen out. Like I might deal with, you know, certain things that in, in this society might make you want to blow up. My solution to that is to try to write music, you know what I'm saying? To be like therapy. On your other point too, just about the difference between the hook and the verses. I mean, the hook is definitely that catchy part of the song, you know, but also what's important with the hook is the voice in the background. I don't know, like in my music, I play with perspective a lot, you know what I'm saying? So, or even settings a lot where I don't always signal a change of perspective. I don't always signal a change in setting. The first hook is the same hook as the second hook, but the first hook, the voice in the background is the woman, is is the love interest saying, don't be putting me in your music, don't be talking about me, they're going to know you're talking about me, da-da-da-da-da. After the second verse, you know what I'm saying, the second verse changes settings to like being on tour with my homies, you know what I'm saying, with Push Soul even, you know, in an abstract sense, right? 
the homies are saying at the end, you know, here's the last little stanza of the second verse. Think about them thighs that I'm traveling home to once this touring is done. She texts me, babe, I warned you. I told her, fret not. Fret not, let's roll another L. 30 nights to go, my niggas hoping I fail. Even before that, I'm talking about being on tour and wanting to travel home and da-da-da-da. So the second hook, that high-pitched voice in the background, is actually the homie saying, oh, he's going to fail as far as like staying faithful. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like, he, like he's going to, like, who we got coming to the studio, Jessica, da-da-da-da-da. It's hard to nail down, but, you know, the music I like making, I'm not always going to signpost all the changes and all the different uh, shifts I want, you know. I got different influences or inspirations for that, too, you know, we can talk about. Just th- this whole process of talking with artists about how they create their their work, it, it's like, obviously, I, I am entitled to my own interpretation, but it's also very, it's, it's cool to be kind of wrong, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, that sometimes when you're in a relationship and when your art is talking about your life, that sometimes you have to bring in that aspect of what all that means. Like, and especially I think, where is that line shoot where you're like, when you're rapping, that's where you feel, I don't know, where oh, yeah. something about like, uh, I said, a uh, where a young nigga feel peace is when he rapping. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, that's your solace. That's your spot to right. like find peace and work out some of the things that you may be dealing with but if you're going to be rapping about the things that you're working out you're going to end up talking about the person that you are in in a relationship with so and and somehow that never i don't know that didn't occur to me that that was you know part of the topic there that's cool yeah i like the whole the whole stanza you know what i'm saying like i'd be breaking my verses up in four bar increments so that stanza I took every loss like a boss, but what's the cost? How she gonna treat me like villain? I wasn't laughing. A way a young nigga feel peace just when he rapping. And when it come to rocking the mic, she wasn't lacking. It's like, uh, I really like that second line right there. How she gonna treat me like villain? I wasn't laughing. Yeah, I think like the maniacal laughter of a villain, like right. a cartoon type of deal, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I mean, and that kind of just is, is commentary on, you know, sometimes even the people close to you get stuff wrong. You gotta, I guess, try to guide them toward, you know, maybe a greater understanding or, you know what I'm saying, really taking their perspective, you know, at the same time, for real. Going back to the, my focused mind like grenade mm-hmm. might take the pin out. The first bar of the next section is like, and write some words that she prefers. Yeah. Write something um, with words that she prefers. Yeah. It's, it's cool when it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's where that little piece of the puzzle that, that I somehow overlooked when, interpreting or looking at the words the my focused mind like a grenade might take my pen out Mm -hmm. is is one of my favorite lines but this is also with my old interpretation so forgive me for that but but there's something about the third and fourth bars on the i think that's the last verse Mm -hmm. um where uh, sunny don't do too much talking unless the aki is recording yeah because that's how keep my mind off the lesser importance Mm -hmm. i don't know how much you think about your own mortality but the way that i thought about it and i know that this doesn't fit with what we had talked about before but the way that i was thinking about it is is this as you think about what you pass on to other people there becomes this worry in the creative process of like i don't want to miss sharing a concept i don't want to miss i don't know like you're afraid of uh, some kind of creative idea dropping unless something has recorded it or saved it Mm -hmm. and and that weird sense of like trying to preserve every little thing that comes out of your brain and i think sometimes that impedes us from actually 
getting something down because we want to make sure that we're always capturing it rather than just capturing it when you can capture it. That's what I was thinking about, and I'm kind of curious what your interpretation of it was. I, I know uh, now in in the new context, I, I feel like that's missing the point. But and uh, let me say this too: I'm really appreciating this too to be able to talk and like get other people's interpretations because I'm trying to set a table for people to be able to make their own interpretation. You know, yeah. while I'm expressing myself, so I, I definitely appreciate it. But let me just read that part real quick. I find it funny how niggas assume just because they went out walking, they down with the movement. Sunny don't do too much talk unless I keep recording because that's how I keep my mind off the lesser importance. I guess that was just me kind of being aggravated with, you know, a lot of the, the mainstream conversation about a lot of things, you know, and just uh, where I feel like maybe six, seven years ago, I was much more focused on being part of that conversation or adding to that conversation, you know. You know, I, I think a little bit more focused on just expressing myself in ways that are meaningful to me and like letting that be, like you said, a solace, you know. So, I mean, when I said I don't do too much talking unless I key recording, I key is what I call several people in my life. You know what I'm saying? Okay. It's like it's like a word that means brother amongst us. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I actually, who I do the podcast with, uh, my homie Gerard, you know, he goes by I key to G. You know what I'm saying? But when I'm talking to Gerard or I key to G, we both call the person that you saw walking out my studio, uh, Twig. He, for us, he's both our I key. You know what I'm saying? So uh, that's just a word that we throw around amongst each other a lot. So when I said, I don't do too much talking unless I keep record, I'm talking about like in the studio, either for music or po the podcast, you know, I'm not doing too much talking outside of that, you know, yeah. as far as like trying, I guess it's like maybe like a social media thing too, where I'm not going to try too hard to express myself or even think that I can express myself fully on social media. Like it's not possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not a format that can, that can even contain me. I mean, even the line before that, just because they went out walking, they down with the movement. I mean, there's a whole lot of people that just went out walking last year. And I mean, yeah. even before that, they go out walking for a protest or something. And they think that, you know, they're down with the movement. And, you know, you can take that how you want to. So I, I think that that line was just a commentary on all of that, you know, and it's all to keep my mind off the lesser importance, you know, trying to put things in perspective as far as, uh, you know, what's really important. Of course, my relationship with my friends and my family, you know, is very important. My relationship with myself is very important. It can be a dead end game trying to find the perfect type of expression or the perfect like abstract community to reflect yourself in if you're not comfortable with yourself. So. And and I do think that does bring up a very good point is like, let's just say, you know, when there was a march here in Champaign, you know, I think that was in June, how many people that actually took part in that march and and i'm you know that's I, I feel like i'm calling myself out just as well is like how much are you bringing that into your day-to-day -day lives like how many of you are actually continuing to push mm -hmm. for e equality and black lives matter and you know mm -hmm. i i just I, I put like this more and more stuff is getting commodified it is becoming for sale in the society it's not lost on me the fact that Last year, we had the biggest public protest in U.S. history, but they've also been the most abstract, the most mm. disconnected from actual demands. Such protests that are harder to nail down at, with actual, you know, points that people can actually follow logically, of course, that opens the door for more people to come in and perform, you know? That's also been part of what made me retract from more of the movement. I guess on the political side, you know, where I was, you know, amongst the most involved you find out here, 
you know what I'm saying, five or six years ago, or even more recently than that. Now I'll be treating Push Soul like it's the most revolutionary group I've ever been part of. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, as far as what we do. Not saying that, you know, all politics is bad or all politics are performative. You know, that's the issue that we really got to sober up to, you know what I'm saying? That's not saying I'm, I'm perfect or I'm not guilty of some of them things, but this music, I guess, is just part of my reflection on it. I greatly appreciate that you're finding... The, the voice that you feel is is contributing the best mm. through this. And also, I mean, being able to... Uh, uh, anyway, no, I just feel like anything I say at this point will just be not, <laughs> not the best. Like, anyway, you said it better. I shouldn't try to add to it. So I apologize for that. No, you're all good. Um, what's your favorite part of this piece? Mm, that's a good question. That's actually a great question. My favorite part... Of it, you know, besides the beat, shout out, shout out to Solomon Grunge, you know. I, I think I just like how just a, a raw expression, honest expression, you know. I felt like the song gives people so many like different windows that they can peek into, you know, me as an artist, you know, they mm-hmm. can peek through multiple different windows with this track, you know what I'm saying? It's not just one window you can peek through as far as like the beat, the hook being catchy how it is, but also like the abstract, like conceptualization of not just the song but the project for me the whole project is is one that you really got to tackle as a whole uh, together you know and really try to follow the story the same love interest within this story later on in the album it betrays the protagonist you know you Mm. know and uh sets him up you know to get killed and that's set up from the beginning to the end of the project that love story of course is just like part of that larger story about being on the run from killing uncle sam and you know i i, I just say like uh just how it's uh it's free you know what i'm saying it's free right. it, that's what that's my favorite part about it it's free i i love that answer is there like a favorite part in this song like a favorite verse or favorite beat or favorite uh, part that uh, happens in the song I, I would say it's right after that it's that stanza right after that focus mind like a grenade i take the pen out and then it's this part and write something with words that she prefers. A spark with every touch. We tip in the temperatures. She asked me how I'm flipping words. I guess it just occurs. I'm capping. Just the master that's rapping. Spent many years. You know, yeah. so I, I think it's that part right there. Because of the wordplay, but also like the content of what I'm saying. You know, a woman asking or my love interest asking. You know, how you, basically how you get so good at rapping. How you get so good at flipping words. My first answer is, I guess it just occurs. I guess it's natural. But then the honest answer is, I'm capping. Just the master just rapping. I spent many years, like I spent a long time uh, with music. It's kind of like what uh what Michael Jackson said, or at least he's quoted as saying this uh, that you got to make you know ten or a thousand. He says like a hundred bad songs. He says something like that before you make your first good one. Mm. You know, and uh, I definitely have put that time in as far as uh you know trying to for myself as an artist. Just and it's something I'm still doing, but you know weeding out the bad. You know, confronting you know the lackluster or the average or the mediocre or the unfree kind of expressions, you know what I'm saying? Right. It takes experience, for sure. Yeah, just try to listen to the album straight through, you know, pay attention to the little clips and, and skits I'm putting in there uh, because I, I really do think, even though it dropped before Outside, my most recent project, I feel like it's a it's more of a cohesive statement and I think that's also one of the added benefits of working with one producer for the project like sonically it, it has that glue yeah i would say you know if you listen and take some time out and just experience it for yourself you know and i'll be interested to hear what you know other people also like how they interpret it as well 
Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Sonny, I'm just curious, in Champaign-Urbana, do you have any favorite music venues, past or present? That's a great question. You know, I haven't been to as many shows out here as I would like to. A lot of the shows I've been to are ones that I helped set up, you know, at the IMC. So, shout out to the Independent Media Center out here that always made a space for hip-hop. Besides that, I've been to a few shows at Canopy Club that have been live. But no, nah, I ain't really been invited to no house venues like that. You know, I, I really want to get more shows out here. But, you know, I, I think some of that is on, is on me as well. Just uh, not putting myself out there as much. Or just being like, I guess, okay, just being kind of like, uh, I guess, like segmented off of, on the side, you know. But, you know, now I'm try- I'm definitely, you know, trying to get more out there and see more shows. So anybody listening, send me some 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 dope shows that's coming up in the area. You know yeah, what yeah. I'm saying? Awesome. And, put me, and put me on some, some of them dope shows, too. Did, did you have a favorite, like, uh, show that you've seen in Champaign-Urbana? I, I'll probably say the best one I've seen, besides some of the stuff that I was involved in at the IMC. And I performed at the IMC before, too. But I would say Canopy Club, I saw the internet, you know, Sid the Kid from Our Future and everything. So I would definitely say the internet at Canopy Club. Who else did I see? I would say probably Mother Nature at IMC as well. I saw them over there. I miss seeing Mother Nature kind of on a on a regular basis before they, they moved to Chicago. Oh, you same here. <laughs> yeah, I still think one of the better uh, moments that I've experienced is uh, seeing Mother Nature open up for Run the Jewels okay. for Pygmalion. I think that was, do I want to say 2014? But, but that seems way too long ago. But okay, side note, it was 2015. Because I feel like they, they held their own. Like it wasn't, it didn't feel like a, a like, whoa, oh my gosh, uh, Run the Jewels is here all of a sudden. It was like the energy was already up and then it was just, it just kept going. Oh yeah, um, no, I, I would, I, I Definitely, uh, Mother Nature next to Run the Jewels. They was going out at the same time. I go see Mother Nature. Off the air, we kind of talked about how you did record Hotline during the pandemic mm-hmm. with Solomon Grunge, but just recently, July twenty sixth, you dropped Outside, which you said was correct me if I'm wrong, a collection of songs that you had been holding on to before the pandemic what made you decide to release outside finally or or to figure out how to put those all together Uh, it's a lot of factors that made me sit on that music you know some of it was just you know wanting to get the sound right and just like having to develop my skills as an engineer as a mixing engineer and mastering like audio engineer knowing for a while that you know it could always sound better it could sound better but you know wanting to do it myself that's part of it I think also just, you know, 
it's such a different environment nowadays from when I started making music, you know. I started making music when I was 14. I'm 30 now. So as far as like dropping music in a digital environment that's, you know, I guess focused on social media and stuff like that and social media promotion, I was just sitting on it and just sharing it with my, with my friends, you know, trying to figure out, I guess, during that time, you know, how I could release it, you know, and, and a lot of them songs, I didn't have the project like before the pandemic, like already like track listed out and everything, mm. you know. And some of those songs, I'll say about, I think there's 14 songs on there. I would say maybe five of them songs out of that 14 might have been made during the pandemic. But the majority of it was before the pandemic, you know, years before the pandemic. Uh, I know one of them songs, I think, is from like 2016, you know, <laughs> 2015, you know. So I've been sitting on some of that music a while. Trying to get it in a project format that makes sense for me. Because I got a, a lot of music I'm sitting on. I probably got my next three, four, five projects already recorded, you know, waiting to be mixed and mastered or, you know, promoted the right way to be put out. Yeah, I make a lot of music. Yeah, outside was just kind of birthed from, you know, a long creative process. What in particular made you say, this is the time to finally release all of this? I don't know if there was anything like external that really like was that sign for me to say this is the time to release it. I knew I wanted to release a different sounding project after uh, Hotline, which was much more like boom bap and like soul and like slower grooves, you know, where outside is a lot more 808s, a lot more modern sounding. It's a different sound. So I knew I wanted to get that sound out soon after Hotline, just so people could kind of maybe see that versatility next to each other, like almost completely different sounds next to each other. Yeah, it was like kind of during the summer, and I wanted to put like a summer sounding album out there with that's a little bit more upbeat and everything. Why did you name it outside? I'm curious. Oh yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, just because a couple of different reasons, I guess. You know, I don't have one like nailed down or any of it really nailed down. It's just the name that spoke to me. But also, you know, we're kind of emerging, or at least that's what in the in the U.S. And it's a whole different story than the rest of the world, but. You know, kind of emerging from the pandemic and heading outside again. And, you know, also just trying to step outside of my comfort zone as an artist, trying to put myself out there more and be heard more. My music is, in so many ways, just a statement from, you know, me, who I am, you know, to the world. Trying to, you know, tug on some of them currents or some of them threads that's out there. And outside is definitely one of them currents that's out there right now, you know what I'm saying, from people feeling like they stuck inside. And wanting to get outside, outside the mainstream, outside my mind, all them type of things, you know. I just felt like outside pretty much spoke to, uh, you know, just me as an artist in 2021. I'm curious, do you have a name for the studio that we're sitting in right now? Or Nah, it's funny as hell that you say that, bro. Because uh, <laughs> I freestyled it when I told you. the. T no, I don't know if I said it to you. I think, I, I think. I was telling somebody that the interview that we was going to have is going to be here. And I, and what I, what I told him was it's going to be at the temple on Mattis. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, sometimes we call it the dojo. Sometimes we call it the lab, but, uh, nah, I, I think t the temple on Mattis might stick for right now. That's, that's nice. what we're calling it right now. The temple on Mattis. It's your sanctuary, right? For so, sure. you know, and it's sense. not just mine too. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's a, it's a, a handful of artists, you know what I'm saying? That, that also, you know, treat this place like a, a sanctuary. Even if they're not mm -hmm. here all the time, you know what I'm saying? Like all the artists in Push Soul and even, you know, some not in Push Soul, you know, that's here. They treat the, the space like that, you know, like uh, like it's a sanctuary, you know, away, away from outside. 
yeah, let's talk a little bit about like the Push Soul Collective. Okay. Like, wh- like where did that get started? And and tell us a little bit about what that is. All right, bet. So Push Soul Collective currently is myself, Kevon Red, Mari the Fifth, uh, Zachariah TBM, uh, my homie Y.A.N. Trey, and uh, Zen the Rapper, my homie Dante. And also Twig G, mm. who, who you kind of saw in passing today. <laughs> But it came about uh, just the need to move collectively and, and, and really the urge to move collectively, you know, just as black men. And also just, you know, it came about from a song that Mari had did. You know, I met Mari the Fifth, you know, here at the University of Illinois and Trey. I met them around the same time. They started coming to the studio around the same time. And we were just in the studio so much together, working on so much music together. You know, the need for some type of collective, you know, vehicle was coming up. I've been part of similar type collectives before, you know what I'm saying? Like, but kind of based around the studio. Because this studio has been in the process of being built up to where it is for the past 15 years. It never stops. Nah, it never stops. <laughs> uh, the first collective that we had was actually called Lunar instead of, you know, Lunar. But we called it like Lunar, change up the, the pronunciation. And then S13P was uh, the next, like, iteration. S13P which is like it met Samurai, the 13th Pyramid. Those kind of fell away, especially as people are moving. But then like once I was here, well, I said me and Kevon, he's been part of each one of those collectives. And I know Kevon from high school. You know, we mm. grew up in Evansville together. But yeah, once I was here, you know, met Trey and Mari, it felt like home being in a studio with them. The need for another collective kind of came up and we just set it on the name Push Soul. You know, it just uh, kind of describes what we own perfectly. Uh, how did the name Push Soul come about it was the name of a song that mari did you know what oh, i'm saying okay. like it's so that's yeah yeah he just happened to name a song push soul like we push in soul like we can like <laughs> we can some of us have do you know push a lot of things you know what i'm saying at the core of it what we want to do is push soul like you know what i'm saying like that's a statement we want to make in this world you know we feel like we coming at the perfect time you know what i'm saying even without maybe the shine or the prestige or the clout that some artists got you know what i'm saying like as far as our sound we feel like it's a needed one, you know, and it's one that people is more and more ready for. People want to have soul pushed to them. They're hungry for it. The Push Soul Collective, it's kind of an open collaboration to each other to develop and create amazing works, right? I mean, I, I'm just curious. Like, I, I wanted to know if there were there were any other facets besides music that this collective is is pushing for mm-hmm. <laughs> see how i did that yeah. um but uh, sorry that was probably the dorkiest thing i've no, ever done no, no. but anyway <laughs> that's what we be doing so it's all good um, i mean to answer your question i put it like this it came at the perfect time push so came at the perfect time because it was about maybe four or five weeks before everything closed down for the pandemic you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying is when we started you know me mari and trey started really locking in on push soul and then like one of the things that we started doing was every single week and we've been doing this for you know almost two years now you know year and a half now every single week we meet you know what i'm saying online like through zoom or whatever video conference like everybody in push soul and we haven't missed no week yet so you ask what does it do beyond music it, it really is a solace for us you know what i'm saying like because uh where people might be at especially what we've been going through it's hard to reach out. It's hard to form them real social connections that we need as humans. You know what I'm saying? Right. Just to, just to, you know, get along and be along, you know? I mean, having a place every week, I mean, it's something that each one of us look forward to as far as like coming together and meeting and talking. You know, we, we might talk four or five hours, not just about music, 
but just about our lives and our view of the world, you know. It's a place of solace for the people that's involved. It's also like, uh, on another hand, like I'm more of the business end. It's like an independent label as well. You know what I'm saying? Where we're trying to also enact some type of collective, like, practice together as far as, like, how we're trying to do music and, you know, own our own music, stay away from the, you know, the bigger labels that are more extractive. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's really like, a, it's all those things. Yeah. It's definitely been very, very clear that throughout the pandemic, the the way that we were all going to kind of get through this with our sanity intact was to be able to reach out and interact with people, whether we're shy people or whether we're outgoing people, we all needed to have a person or people that we could interact with and be comfortable with and safe with and supported by. That kind of leads me into my favorite second section question that I've been pondering so much over the pandemic as I look forward to getting back to the music scene and, you know, the the people that make up the music scene. So I'm just curious, in your opinion, what what makes a really good music scene or, or what what could Champaign-Urbana do to make a better music scene? I think that is a good question. I think the music scene in, in Champaign it, is pretty good, you know, as far as like the different opportunities that's available, different venues that's there. Yeah, that was kind of a hard one for me to answer just because like I've been, I don't want to say hesitant, I guess just consumed with other stuff. So like having to go through some, you know, important like personal changes to uh, really feel comfortable putting myself out there and just like and being out there. So, you know, it's kind of, that's, that one's kind of hard for me to answer, you know what I'm saying, what could make it better, you know what I'm saying, because I haven't really experienced it to a full extent yet. That's kind of speaking to like the live music scene, you know, but I agree if this is kind of where you're heading with it, like the music scene is bigger than just the live music scene. I feel like locally I have been a heavy participant in like the underground hip hop scene, you know what I'm saying, that's here as far as the artists that I work with and how my studio has been a space for them. On the hip hop music scene here, one thing that could make it better is just, I mean, it might, it might be cliche, but, you know, uh, more originality, you know what I'm saying? Uh, just more people fearless to be themselves on on records and really search for themselves on records, you know what I'm saying? Use music to search for yourself. You know, I, I think a lot of people get on a record and try to replicate something that's hot, you know what I'm saying, instead of, uh, you know, doing them. So, yeah, I know it's kind of cliche, but that's that's really all I can really say on it. Honestly, I think that's the first time I've heard somebody say that. So I, I would say give yourself more credit on that because that, uh, that's a really good point. And I guess in some ways that that also means that you you mentioned the IMC and the IMC is very good about being an open and inviting space for all types of music so that people can come and produce the music or create or, or however you want to call it the music that they want to create that's that's really in their heart that they want to make creation is soul searching so yeah that's such a great point thank you (laughs) no i I think that's real as hell you know and i would say like uh, outside for instance when it came out and it was out there and i wasn't mixing it no more like i wasn't tinkering with it no more Mm -hmm. i was able to like really listen to it you know what i'm saying and really listen to what i was saying because like i'd be creating songs sometimes and i don't always recall what i'll be saying you know what i'm saying like I, I definitely don't be memorizing my lyrics just how you know much music and how quick i might make it in the moment trying to catch that lightning in the bottle like 
I was on stuff when I made outside that I didn't really realize then as far as like, like outside has a lot of commentary on mental health. I feel like in projects like outside, I did a lot of that soul searching and creation, you know what I'm saying? And trying to, you know, push myself to the reach where I'm closer to reaching now, you know? So I just, as a person, you know, I think music can be that it is that, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's just poetry over a, a beat, you know? over you know a certain type of drum pattern that we just decide to call hip-hop you know hmm. where do you find your inspiration like wh- who who do you i mean granted it is you that generates these things but who do you look to not emulate is emulate an okay word no but- i think it is you know because look i put it like this like when a beat come on i trust myself so much musically you know what i'm saying that you know me putting the pen to the paper or typing these or thinking about these lyrics, it's going to be me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to sound like me. I have no problem with trying to emulate other artists. And I feel like, you know, it's, there's, there's a difference between replication and emulation. I think that difference is reveal It reveals itself through experience. You know what I'm saying? As an artist. So when a beat come on, I might say like, huh, how will Tupac sound on that? How will Outkast sound on that? How will MF Doom or J Electronica sound on that? You know what I'm saying? And I might try to get that first line out with that in mind, that emulation of the, these special artists in mind. They get me going to get me like in the right, like creative spirit. Yeah, I think emulation is important. You know what I'm saying? Or if that's the right word, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think I think it's I think it's important. And, you know, you you kind of got to be a student of the game to do that. A student of the good part of the game. You know, some I guess some people are just students of those that just replicate and steal and, and ain't really got a whole lot of artistic type uh value to what they're doing the great artists that's there they only got that great because they was emulating you know what i'm saying and, and and you know looking at those that came before them i definitely try to channel my inspirations through my music of course i'm guarded you know of my own style and i and I, but i guess the stage i'm at as an artist you know what i'm saying i don't have to really try to make it sound like me at this point you know what i'm saying like even if i'm trying to emulate somebody it's gonna come out like me maybe that's not the best advice to give to somebody depending on where they at but you know definitely that's where i've arrived at i feel free to emulate and take because like i'm confident supremely confident that i'm gonna make it my own you know but i know one thing i do want to do in my live shows you know what i'm saying like i probably won't get there this year but in the coming years, I'm going to start doing cover songs. Like oh. during my live shows of some of my favorite artists, like my favorite songs from them. Yeah. I don't feel like there's enough cover songs in hip hop, you know, where other hip hop artists are, I guess, confident enough in themselves as an artist to, you know, cover one of their favorite artist songs. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to be able to get on stage and like, co- like actually spit an MF Doom song or something like that or an Outkast song, like just as part of my set. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. Yeah, why is, I mean, the only, I was like, okay, when's the last time that I've heard anyone, like, cover a hip-hop hip song? And I was, the only one I can think of is, like, the great cover-up is somebody doing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like, I mean, that's obviously supposed to be a cover, but yeah, that why, I, I guess, I, I don't understand why that doesn't um, occur more often, but. I, I think it's just the certain, like, cultural origin of hip-hop, you know what I'm saying, like, where hip-hop uh, you know, in so many ways, was made to be that unique stamp. You know, through your voice on a beat. You know, what I'm saying, and you proclaiming who you are to the world. You know, what other art form in music do you know where people tell you on the record who they are by name? 
but in hip hop, that's a big thing. You gonna know my name through my lyrics and through my words. Right. So I think it owes itself to the cultural origin of hip hop. You know right. where it comes from. Even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic, the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged, home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Sonny, mm-hmm. what is your favorite non-musical thing? Mm, my favorite non-musical thing. That's a good one. You know, outside of music, I'm also a grad student at the University of Illinois. And I love the work that I do there. I'm a PhD student in history, you know, and I study black social movements. I think reading and teaching about black social movements, black, you know, political ideologies and stuff like that. I have a profound interest in that, you know, you know, besides that, you know, I, I like video games, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I think that's uh, an easy way to stay competitive, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I don't always got the access to like, uh, you know, having friends close by, find competitive ways to be with them. I'm a, I'm a very competitive person. I like video games too. Favorite non-music thing. Yeah, I guess I'd be remiss not to say black women as well. You know what I'm saying? Like. They definitely, uh, in so many ways, keep me going. Like, I mention my homies so much, but I definitely got to give a shout out to the, you know, another part of the community as well, you know what I'm saying? Because, yeah, they take up uh, a lot of my time as well, so got to shout them out. You you mentioned that you're a history PhD. How did you decide in that, to go into that direction, like... Uh, yeah, I mean it is I mean it is life I get that but you no, know it, just... it's a great question it really is you know I've been making hip hop since I was 14 I had no example back then for any anything related to what I'm doing on campus now none of my parents graduated college not my grandparents you know I'm the first person in my immediate family to get a, a degree I, how did I get involved in it I, I asked my, myself that question a lot you know because my family they'd be surprised you know what I'm saying they're surprised that I've taken it this far and you know supremely happy you know that I, that I have I, I remember my grandfather he told me in high school I was like a junior in high school and he was asking me I think after uh, I, I, I was boxing back then so he asked me uh, you know it came up like what do you want to be like what are you going to do after high school and I said I want to be a barber Huh. And it's funny I said that because I had never cut hair before that, you know what I'm saying? But that just shows right. you, like, even as a junior in high school, how much I, I was not thinking about a career or a job, you know what I'm saying? And he told me, no, you know what I'm saying? He's like, no, you're too smart for that, you know what I'm saying? Like, your mind, like the way your mind is, like, you got to uh, do something more with yourself, you know? So I think I started out college trying to do business, and I dropped out of, I, I stopped business track, like, after a semester, my ne- the next semester, I tried a single day in computer science. I went to my first computer science course, 
and that I knew I didn't want to do that. Hmm. So then I got home and I was scrolling through the majors. This is at the University of Southern Indiana. And I'm scrolling through the majors and I found sociology. That kind of spoke to how I was just inquisitive about the world around me. So I did a sociology degree at the University of Southern Indiana. The decision even to go there came late, came my senior year. As far as, you know, I, that's the only school I applied to, you know, was the one that was in my hometown. And then, you know, after four years or whatever at USI, my mentor at USI, shout out to Dr. Rashawn, he was a, a graduate of the education department here. And he he brought me with him to the campus and to show me things and introduce me to some of the people he learned under. And, you know, this was the only grad school I applied to and I got in. It's really, you know, I, I don't want to be just cliche or just say just God, really just following the opportunities, you know, as they were presented to me and, and you know, I guess just, you know, belief that I, I could do it. I'm not sure exactly where that came from because I don't have many examples in my life of people doing this. So it was definitely tough for me, you know what I'm saying, coming here. My And I think that's also what, you know, kind of led to my like delayed kind of entrance to the rap scene and everything. Just because like, you know, being away from my hometown, being in grad school, it was such a, a different setting for me. And you know, my whole lineage. I don't come from nothing like this as far as like what I'm doing on campus. It took me a while to get my feet under myself. So from sociology to history. No, it, first it was education. Education. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. oh, okay. I got and, you. Yeah, and, yeah. and then while I'm in the education department, I was in the PhD program, but after my ma I got my master's in education, I knew I didn't want to stay there to get my PhD. I have a great mentor still who I learned under, you know, in the history department. That kind of took me under his wing. It took me a few tries. I had to apply a few times to get into the history department here. But uh, I ended up getting in and that's where I'm still at, you know. Do you feel that even if you didn't specifically have the direct example of someone going to college or to graduate school, like you at least had an example of people that in your life that that did the things that they wanted to do and pursued their dreams in a way or no okay no i mean my grandparents you know I, I was i was raised mainly by my grandparents you know i lost my mother when i was six years old you know and things was really hard on my father you feel what i'm saying yeah and my grandparents they were factory you know they they're retired now but they worked in factories they didn't do that because they wanted to you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying that was tough ass labor for them being raised like half with them and half with my father you know what i'm saying like i definitely saw two sides of a coin but i definitely got you know, as far as like the idea of just being resilient, you know, putting your head down and doing what you got to do. Like I get that from my grandparents, you know, I think with that, you don't get a space to express emotions. I, I came here for grad school. I didn't know nothing about mental health. You know, I didn't think I was capable of having anxiety. I thought anxiety is something that happened to weak people. You know what I'm saying? I thought depression is something that happened to weak people. And this is in my mid 20s. That's what I come from. You know what right. I'm saying? That's the type of upbringing I had. So being here and being faced with mental health challenges, and I, and I say this because I know people going through the same thing, like putting your head down and just trying to do the work. When I looked up my first semester here, I had lost 30 pounds. I'm already a slender person. Through depression, through anxiety, you know, I almost killed myself. You know, yeah. my first semester here, as far as like looking at my body and seeing like just skin and bones, you know what I'm saying? And that's all for the stress. That's all for not even realizing what you're going through. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So 
I think, you know, the long recovery from that is definitely a part of and who I am as a person, as an artist. I, I always feel like I, I, you know, there's something, uh, someone says something surprising to me and I, I have to kind of mentally think back on what what does that all kind of mean. But I do feel like your your own like growth has, has kind of come through in your music and there, there's a power in the words that you use in the way that you present them. And, you know, I really appreciate it. And I've, and I've kind of silently like thought about interviewing for you for a very long time. And it's just like, it never seemed like it was, it was a good time. And um, when I saw that you were putting out some more things, I was like, this is a good time to, mm-hmm. to chat. Uh, thank you so much for like, inviting me into your studio, letting me take some space and then chat with you and, and talk about your song vacation off of the album hotline and all of your projects. And it's, it's just been a, it's been a pleasure to, to finally meet you face to face and mm-hmm. talk with you about your music. So thank you so much. Hey, I appreciate you Spin, And, uh, this was definitely, you know, a small step, but definitely a good step for, me and my journey, you know what I'm saying? I hope anybody listening, it helps them do what they doing. I appreciate you opening the door on your end as well, you know. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Peace, everybody. Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Sonny Teray. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. And we're here to remind you that great music is out there. Go find it where you live. a wrap. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. South <laughs> <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> <laughs>